Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Many great things have happened on the date, March 9th. In 1931, the electron microscope was invented. 1959, the Barbie doll went on sale for the first time. And in 2011, the Space Shuttle Discovery completed its final mission. But today, today, myself and John Daigle, on March 9th, 2023, are going to draft the greatest big board team that has ever been assembled. What's going on, Mr. Daigle? I I didn't set us up for failure at all today, just so you know. In other words, we're not going to have to draft a baseball team while also drafting (laughs) a big board team while also drafting everything else? Listen, we are actually now experts of, I think it was NHL best best ball because i think our nhl team made the playoffs we competed in one of the odd ones that i couldn't name a single player yeah yeah that's i mean that's how good we are we don't even need to know who's in there we just follow basic draft strategy and we get our teams through because we are pros unlike you know whoever we're going to be drafting against today probably five red badges but guess what we're better and we're going to draft the best team that there's ever been assembled and i am somewhat experienced i've been in the streets since the tournaments opened Uh, i think i only have five bullets completed right now because i'm a slow drafter at this time of year but i usually make sure i have at least 10 slow drafts going on at one time and then like every four hours i'll check in and draft all at once yeah, people are starting to ask when to join. I will. Uh, I'll tell you when we hop in. When I press the enter button, I will let let it be known. Uh, now that football is a twelve month sport for us, anyways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what What have you been focusing on lately? Was it the combine? Are you gearing up for free agency next week? What What are you the most interested in at the moment? It doesn't become easier work-wise every year but it becomes easier to parse every year you, you get used to your schedule and start yeah. figuring out okay i need to segment the offseason like this rather than being the first one to jump in and start yelling about player takes or whatever uh, i'm not in those streets yet we can wait two months it's a very long offseason so right now uh the free agency tracker is up at 44.com where i literally have blurbs on Every free agent, defensive line, offensive lines included, because those helped me in my process throughout the offseason ahead of team previews that begin in July. I'm also writing rookie blurbs for draft day uh, around the first two days anyways for skill players uh, that will be released on draft night as well. And then best ball tiers, which I believe I'll have out 
a couple weeks after free agency, maybe the week after free agency, every single position ranked um, usually the top 60 at running backs and wide receivers. So all of that's happening right now behind the scenes, which is good because like there's a difference between the day-to-day grind and what we do in the regular season. The offseason comes and it's more about big picture projects and working on those quietly. But that's a put on a instrumental, a live concert music and just like get to writing and working on spreadsheets early. That's the easy stuff. So no, I, I like this time of year a lot. See, I, I like, I keep up with the rookie stuff as soon as it starts hitting, just because yep. obviously you have to for best ball. But I love NFL free agency. We have Aaron Rodgers in a dark room for three, three whole days, four whole days. I love the drama of, is he going to the Jets? They're flying across the country. Why? It's not 1971. It's not like they can't just hop on like a conference call with them. And, but they have to be in person with Aaron Rodgers before he enters a dark room again. And uh, all the other stuff. We had Derek Carr going to the Saints. We have Geno Smith signing, I thought, a very team-friendly deal to stay with the Seahawks, allowing them to still draft a quarterback. So the I- intrigue's still there. I think all three quarterback contracts that we saw set the dominoes of the offseason weren't that bad, honestly. Like, Derek Carr was probably the worst deal. But then again, it's such an easy out for them in 2025, just two years. They can cut him and save $29 million against the cap. Uh, Carr is obviously already 32, and he was just benched last year. So we don't expect him to make a large leap at this age of his career. He, he's just a mediocre replacement level quarterback so two-year deal not bad daniel jones also basically a two-year deal since they can save money in two years and then geno smith was a one-year front-loaded deal uh, it's very clear that they're still in on the quarterback market there yeah it, it's the Derek carr thing sets up perfectly because in two years he can just moose uh mosey right on over and sign with mm-hmm. the annapolis colts because that's what they do right that's it's set up perfectly for them so i i love the offseason i love free agency i am looking forward tremendously to next week and to see I what d- we're getting there i do wish it were a little weirder though like nba off season's weird and fun yeah at, you know remember the bubble if we go back that far and every report out of the bubble was that even like uh i'm gonna be asked to remember nba players now um <laughs> por- former portland shooting guard cj mccollum uh, Thank you. McCollum yep. turned his hotel room knowingly into a wine room. He said it at a he said it at a certain temperature, and they brought into the bubble just like crates upon crates of his own wine, and then used his room as as a as a wine room while he slept with other people, like a, a teammates around the league in the hotel. Like the NBA is weird. That that's why it's always fun in the off season for us. The weirdest we get is the Aaron Rodgers darkness retreat. Uh, you mentioned Derek Carr, you know, that one. And if you read Nick Underhill's terrific breakdown, like Derek Carr apparently signed with the saints. One of the reasons we believe he signed with the saints is because he's so easygoing like even to his interviews with the Saints, like under the table meetings at the combine, he just mm-hmm. wore shorts and a hoodie. Whereas whenever he met with the Jets, they took him out to like an expensive steakhouse and like restaurant. And that's not Derek Carr at all. Like he's a typical Cajun food kind of guy. So it's it's little things like that I find fun for the offseason. But the NBA is definitely more fun. Oh, that sounds like the Jets are the perfect fit for Aaron Rodgers because he yes. needs, he needs to be the center of attention. And, and I, I would expect it to happen. Uh, but, I think I think we're gonna get that and Jimmy yeah. G to Las Vegas very soon. Actually, oh, you think Jimmy's gonna go to Vegas? Like, everything I have heard, it sounds like Jimmy G's going to Vegas. Yeah, I mean that makes sense as well. He goes back with um, his former offensive coordinator there, Josh McDaniel, of course. Josh McDaniel, yeah. yeah so it. That all and Devontae Adams knowingly won't play with a rookie wide receiver. 
Uh, Adams, I believe, is 31 this offseason. Like, he, he's beyond the point where he wants to be on a what will be perceived as a rebuilding team. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense as well. All right. Well, we got our little bit of our overview. We're getting ready for free agency. I'm excited. Also, we'll talk about it during the draft, but the the running back situation, I know that Saquon did sign, did get franchise tag, but and so did Josh Jacobs. But some of the uh, running back movement that we're going to see is real interesting this year to me. Um, all right. So we are entering the draft right now. I will present my screen and we are going to draft the best team that has ever been drafted. We're waiting for four. We're gonna try to, anyways. Uh, we we make uh, we talk in guarantees here. I don't know what? if you remember the Royal Rumble. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think has been your biggest weakness so far? Like your obvious weakness when drafting early? Because I get back in just to make sure I have ADP like going in my head and understanding the tiers where players are being drafted at. Yeah. But but like right now, honestly, stacking, especially because we don't have schedules. For games and teams, like we don't have bye weeks, I think stacking has been my biggest problem because I've been misplaying ADP in my head. Uh, I'm, and I'm getting a lot more custom to it now. I'm seeing how far Kyler's falling, for instance. I'm assuming that I can stack Raiders with Jimmy G if Adams falls later in the first round. So I am I'm quickly learning what to do, but I think stacking has been my weak point so far. Um, I wouldn't say stacking has been my personal weak point because I've been making it a point to do like an Aaron Rodgers with Garrett Wilson stack since these open. Okay. Yep. So I, I mean, I guess I'm project stacking. Like that's not a hundred percent given, but I just, I thought he was going there and there's other stacks that I've been doing overall. And I've been talking about this since, you know, the middle of the season last year, where I personally knew that there was going to be a shift in what happened with quarterbacks in these drafts. Everyone so, all drafts last year stats when we get started, everyone. So yeah. yes, the trends just carry over every year. Yeah, so now you're seeing – I knew that they were going to push up Mahomes, Hurts, Allen. We were going to see them in the first and second round, basically. What I wasn't expecting was where the other quarterbacks were getting pushed up to. So I didn't expect Trevor Lawrence to be going fourth, fifth round like he is. And, you know, the guys around there, Joe Burrow in the third, like I thought they were still going to probably be fifth, sixth, seventh rounders. And trying to adjust to that in my mind has kind of broken me a little bit. We'll get there, but it's – what I'm doing with the quarterback position is something that I'm still trying to work out to be perfectly honest. I'm looking at the names we have in here as well. I wonder if Stroop, that might be Matt Stroop of NBC. I'm not sure though. Mm. Uh, I'm, not, I, I always not. jump in expecting to see like you Eagles buying for <laughs> or the badge bros in every draft I'm in, honestly. Yeah. I haven't I mean, been quite as active the last few weeks as I normally am because I've been a Eagles, little busy. Eagles and I, are, I think, are in every slow draft. Every single slow draft I see them in. Yeah. And I don't do a lot of the slow drafts. I like to, because of just the, the workflow that I have going. Of course, yeah. The, the, the fast drafts make my life a little bit easier. But I'll tell you what, I'm playing in the World Series of Poker main event in July. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to have like 15 to 20 slow drafts like queued up for best ball mania when i head out to vegas because you can't you can't register in nevada for uh these drafts very familiar yeah uh i will definitely keep an eye on your name as well i got i'm running a marathon and ultra marathon all in may first weekend and last weekend and so uh at the i won't be at the draft in vegas i won't be participating in july in vegas i'll be in august for the ffpc though 
All right, so we are on the clock with the 12th overall pick. We see Jonathan Taylor, Bijan, Saquon, Amon Ra. Anything you like here in particular? I usually always gauge to see what falls because I don't mind like starting with a Diggs Allen stack. Like around this range is pretty much where you can get it. Um, yeah. But like JT, I will start with a, a running back if you want to do that. Okay. And then go from there. Um, if I don't get a quarterback stack, that I'm confident in, then mm -hmm. I just won't take a quarterback in this range. And I will play the three QB four QB uh, later round guys. Okay. So now that we've grabbed Taylor, are you looking at like a Monra or you do want to double dip at RB and go with Bijan or Barkley or. I, I would be fine with Bijan or a Monra. What do you usually do at this point? I've been mixing that up. I've been going double running back in the back end like this. Let's go uh, Bijan just because of the uncertainty at the position. And I think you can get some quality wide receivers in the third, fourth, fifth round. Mm -hmm. So that's some of the stuff I've been doing. I've been doing a lot of mixtures of Taylor Robinson, Barkley Robinson, or, you know, the mixture of those three guys. Cause I've been drafting in the last, you know, 10, 11, 12 hole a lot. And I've been able to get those combos. The other guy I've been grabbing a lot back here is Garrett Wilson. And I was big on Garrett Wilson. I mean, how can you not be, I didn't think he was going to start off in the second round like this. I thought we were going to watch him ride up like from the fourth to the second mm -hmm. over the course of a couple of weeks. So it just shows you how much sharper people are getting in these drafts because they're just starting like at their absolute ceiling for where you should be drafting them, in my opinion. And I don't necessarily have an opinion on whether Aaron Rodgers would drag down Garrett Wilson. I don't think he will, but we forget that Aaron Rodgers was really bad last year, mm -hmm. uh, consistently put into soft spots and had one finish inside the top 10 quarterbacks all year long was, was the opposite of a ceiling player and basically just a waste of time in both best ball and redraft leagues. Uh, how, having said that he didn't have anyone on the team as good as Garrett Wilson last year. So I would imagine it's just a median outcome and Garrett Wilson's median outcome still make him a top 12, top 15 receiver. And I think even with a bad, Aaron Rodgers, Garrett Wilson can still have a top 10 season, mm -hmm. right? And I also wonder how much of that is because of the way they were playing in Green Bay. Like, they were, like, the slowest team we've ever yep. seen. It felt like every time you watch them. I'm not saying that he won't carry that over because the Jets do have a good defense. It does make sense to sort of play that way a little bit if the defense um, lives up to what it should be able to do. But I think, you know, maybe they'll let him – Maybe part of him going to the Jets is he wants the, uh, you know, the training wheels let off a little bit more than what he was doing with the and, Green Bay Packers. And they would likely allow him to do whatever he wants. Uh, if Nathaniel Hackett got walked over by Russell Wilson, then Aaron Rodgers is going to come in and put that man in place in a hurry. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, God, Nathaniel Hackett. What? You can what? still, I mean, and, and remember, we have the Hackett ties to Rodgers as well from Green Bay. And uh, I'm still a firm believer because we've seen it so many times every single year that there are men just built to be very good at what they do in coordinating. And when they get asked to do too much, they're just terrible at it. Uh, so it's very possible Hackett is just the latter in that he was asked to put way too much on the plate and he just couldn't responsibly do it in Denver. Yeah, and you see that in every like career where there's people that are really good at doing one thing and once they elevate to a next position, they can't they can't translate that great work into the next level. I mean, it just, I still think happens. that's Dan Quinn. Wade Phillips is another one that comes to mind. Oh, um, Wade Phillips yeah. is a good one. They're, they're just people who are very good at coordinating and that's okay. 
Yeah, nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, but yeah, that whole Denver situation, what a disaster last year. That's we're what probably in, cost me the most money. <laughs> yeah, we're, we have we're to back, back We're in. back in this year, though, because uh, I, I have a lot of faith in Sean Payton, someone with more clout than Russell Wilson in the room, unlike Hackett, who we said even last year. Go back to training camp and remember, he said, like, whatever Russ wants to do in practice, that's what they let them do. Whereas Payton doesn't allow that at all. This is going to be Peyton's way or no way. But more importantly, unlike a lot of coaches, Peyton also drops his ego and works with you. Uh, Robert Mays on the Athletic Football Show told an amazing story how every Thursday night, literally every single Thursday night, that Breeze and Peyton worked together, they would sit down together and uh, they would do something called dots. And they would go through the entire playbook and dot what Breeze believed would work that week. And then Peyton would build the game plan ahead of Sunday, finalize it around those dots. And so mm. I believe that's what's going to happen with Russ too. Just ask him, what are you most comfortable with? Since Peyton Ego is not of importance here, it's a matter of what is best for everyone. And then Peyton has the final say on this dot playbook. So I have a lot of confidence in the Broncos this year. Yeah, I, I, there's some stuff that I find interesting with them too. Like the Cortland Sutton news that they're shopping him and it's like, okay, but how are you going to replace him? I know he wasn't, I know he hasn't like, had the greatest career of where we thought he was going to be, but there's nothing out there to replace him. Why would you even shop him right now? Uh, I don't know. I, I also admittedly forgot that Tim Patrick existed until yeah. we got a report on his injury news. I was like, wait, I forgot Tim Patrick was a player in the NFL, let alone someone <laughs> like I drafted in like the fifth to eighth round every single draft last year. Yeah. That's how I, long the season is. It's so long. All right, so we just see Mark Andrews, Hopkins, Ramondre go. We're looking at like Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, Mike Williams, Christian Watson. I just, do any of those wide receivers interest you? Cooper means we'll probably have to get Deshaun. Um, Lawrence is still somewhat easy to get if we go Ridley. Let's go Ridley. Um, I haven't grabbed enough of him this year, okay. to be honest. Uh, honestly, if we're not taking Bijan, this is usually where I'm taking Pollard because I think Pollard should be a borderline round one running back anyways, uh, especially if, if we're just trying to use an edge and think Zeke is going to get cut. We could still go Pollard and roll with three RBs and kind of go like some sort of hyper-fragile build. with like and get, and get a fourth like much later on. Um, yeah. Okay, let's do it. Let's go Pollard. I'm not, I'm not opposed to doing that. Uh, in my opinion, Pollard is going to be the Barkley of last year where we're drafting him in this, in this range in the second or third round. And then I guarantee you, he gets back up to literally fringe like 12 to 14th overall pick, um, mm -hmm. you know, by June or July, you know, how quickly ADP moves on this thing. We see Lamar go right after us. And this speaking mm -hmm. of like interesting, fascinating off season stuff, this Lamar stuff is super interesting to me because for like someone who, covers best ball and fantasy i think the worst place for him to go is back to baltimore in terms of like fantasy relevancy like not that he won't be fantasy relevant because he's lamar jackson but like i would love to see him in atlanta or you know one of these other destinations that have some skill positions that he can go to baltimore they have mark andrews and they have nothing do you do you lean some some certain way on what you think is going to happen with this Lamar stuff. I still think he ends up playing for Baltimore in the end. And we've already received the port reports quote unquote reports since very clearly, very clearly uh, every reporter was texted from the same agent 
at the same time that their team is out on Lamar Jackson. Uh, it's collusion in the highest order, and it's amazing to me whenever someone has opinion other than this being collusion between the rich white men of the NFL. Yeah. But we've seen them already blackball Lamar because they want to ensure that Deshaun Watson's fully guaranteed contract is an outlier. Remember, Watson even said he didn't want to go to Cleveland, and then they called him back up and gave him the fully guaranteed deal. He's like, oh, well, in that case, maybe we can make something work since you're giving me $260 million. Fully guaranteed. I don't even have to play. It's fully guaranteed. It's amazing. Uh, and so they're trying to obviously exclude Lamar from that. But in the end, I, I do think he'll eventually come to an agreement. It won't be on the $32 million franchise tag or the non-exclusive tag. No way. He's not going to play for that. He, ne- he needs the guaranteed money, especially the way he plays. So yeah. eventually he thinks he settles on Baltimore. Now the next issue is what you talked about. Uh, given his ADP as a top five, top six quarterback, that's that's a major concern because it's been two years now since his MVP season, and he hasn't had that ceiling. Over the last two years, he's played 24 games. He has just five top five finishes in that time. So like, he's a player where ADP and performance for a two-season resume has been completely out of whack. So actually, like I'm completely out on ADP right now, Lamar Jackson. And that's a situation where after the first three go, after Allen, Mahomes, and Hurts go, and I can't fit, not even Burrow, and I can't figure out a stack with those three, that's when I let it slide. And then I start figuring out who I'm going to stack in three or four QB builds. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of the three, three and four QB, well, I guess three QB builds more so than four. I've been doing a lot of four tight end builds, but it's kind of the same idea. I did have buying for a grab Lamar last week when we did a draft and i think that's the only share that i've personally drafted of him mm-hmm. but yeah i mean we it's just we see lawrence go in the fifth round so we won't be getting that stack uh it's about the time lawrence has been going to uh it, i still depends wonder, on your room yeah I, and i still wonder if he's a value i, I will see him sometimes in the sixth or seventh round if that's the case I think the Jag stacks are pretty easy to get still, honestly. Uh, between Calvin Ridley, Evan Ingram, if you want to, if you want to grab that dead zone and tight end, so I still play around with it. I still think ETN's a value as well, despite Doug Peterson's uh, statement from the combine. I wanted to add two, three, or four running backs, and so I'll, I'll make sure I onslaught them all together. Yeah. It- so my brain is finally starting to wrap around some of the quarterback ADP, and mm-hmm. I think there is like a. A, th- a thought in the industry right now from some, a lot of the guys that we're, we're friends with or do shows with where they just don't want to touch these quarterbacks because they feel they're too high. But to your point, it's like, well, based on where they're going, they could be a value because of the market and you have to adjust to the market. And so that's the argument too internally for me because I don't like I think I don't think they are value, but I also don't want to go the entire big board tournament since since I don't know, we're two weeks away from this thing feeling, which was not the planet underdog. Uh, I don't want to fade that entire range of top three quarterbacks for an entire mm-hmm. tournament. I think that's a waste. So that's why I don't mind sneaking it into my portfolio. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think like just being vehement. Oh, we're on the clock. Is oh, there anyone? Um, uh Keenan Allen stands out. I think it's fine. Going back with Justin Herbert. Uh, they restructured his deal, so that's basically guaranteed yep. he'll return. Um, we can go Marquise Brown. Kyler Murray is still very easy to get. Uh, if you're stacking Arizona, no, I don't really. Hmm. Maybe the, we do have we do have Kyle Pitts on the board. Gosh, I'm Kyle Pitts. Um, 
I don't mind Mike Evans, Marquise Brown, or Kyle Pitts. Go Mike right. Evans. Go Mike Evans. Galaxy brain with me for a second. Did we get it? Yes. Oh, we did. So the reason I do this mm-hmm. is because go to quarterbacks really quick. The issue is that we won't. Oh yeah, we're not. It's not going to work out. I'm sorry. But uh, the reason I do this is because that Mike Evans has been tossed around in the Chargers trade rumors, and so I sometimes try to galbrain. Oh, I got you. Herbert Allen and Evans trying to get like this Kellen Moore offensive onslaught happening. Um, again, like. This early in best ball season, I'm galbraining every single stack possible. Those are the stacks I gravitate towards. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what Tampa does with both wide receivers, right? Like, because Godwin has been rumored to go a couple of different places. Evans has been like vehemently rumored to get out of there. And looks like they're just gutting that entire squad. So yeah, they, I don't they, hate it. I think the two closest teams to, uh, I don't think we have a fancy name for it yet, but basically tanking for Patrick Mahomes Jr., tanking for Caleb Williams are definitely the Bucks and the Titans. Those are the two teams that are closest. Because if the Titans do find a partner for Derrick Henry, you know Tannehill's gone. Like the largest cap hit of any player in the NFL, and they can save $29 million by cutting him, roughly $29 million. So if that's the case, like they are going to just leave the slate entirely clean and they will have the worst roster in the NFL by far if they get rid of Tannehill and Henry. So I think those are the two options right now for Caleb Williams, number one overall next year. Yeah. So we hear these things like about Derrick Henry and even Nick Chubb possibly being on the trading block. And I, and I hate the way that whole tweet came out worded where it's like the Browns are considering trading Nick Chubb. It's like, yeah, well, everyone should be considered to be traded. Like it's, you're, you're just leaving yourself the out, I, and I understand it. But um, what are you going to get for him? Like, that's my that's my concern. Like, what is Tennessee going to actually get for Derrick Henry in a trade partner? It's not going to be anything, like, to write home about, I would think. Like, a contender is going to give him, what, maybe a third-round pick? No, yeah, because remember, the Giants dangled Saquon Barkley last offseason, and all they were asking for all was a second-round pick, and they didn't have a single person throw it out there. So with a player with more touches under his belt, like a Henry, I, mm-hmm. I genuinely don't know. It would have to be a win-now team, honestly. And, you know, smart win-now teams like the Bills and Eagles don't make that deal because they also understand it sets them backwards. Right. And like the Eagles would be a great team for Derrick Henry, right? All all things considered. Yeah. But, but to your point, they're never going to, I don't think they're going to pull the trigger on like a third or a fourth round pick to acquire him because they can, I think they're fine with Gainwell and bringing in one of the 15 veterans that's out there if if need be. And I do think we're going to see Trask because they mentioned competition. I think it's going to be him and a veteran quarterback. I don't, I don't think the Bucks even toy with a rookie quarterback, honestly, because again, they're just trying to, to rebuild this thing. And I, I don't think Bowles is the, the answer either to help nope. rebuild this thing. I don't want Bowles touching uh, Caleb Williams in any developmental years at all. Um, but yeah, I think it's just a total, total rebuild with Trask and whatever veteran, which is amazing. Well, that's probably why he's still there, right? Because they're like, he's set up on the dummy year of the coach. They get rid of him after this year. Mm-hmm. Um, they go for the complete rebuild. They find some, they've got to go offense for their for their coordinator, if that's the way that, for their head coach. I mean, if that's the way they go, I would think. Unless they like just really like a coordinator. But yeah, I think to your point, Tampa is just, Tampa did what they were supposed to do and now they have to reset, basically. And we'll, and we'll see also, 
what their mindset is because like Jason Light, remember, was one of the NFL's worst GMs. He has a couple hits here and there, but was literally one of the worst minds in the NFL until Tom Brady decided he wanted to play under the sun. Like, Light didn't do anything to help that team out. Brady just said, I don't want to play in snow anymore. Um, And also, this ownership family is offering me, like, everything I would ever want, not to mention I can build the roster the way I want to. So I, I also fear that Light, is about to just get exposed yet again since everyone's forgotten how poor he is at his job. That's that's a great point as well. I mean, things get a lot easier when you bring Tom Brady in as the quarterback, right? <laughs> it's just it's, life gets a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to be coming up on the clock again. We see names like Rashad Bateman, Tyler Algier, Kadarius Tony on board. Some of the quarterbacks that are currently left are Dak Prescott. Deshaun Watson, Kirk Cousins. So that's starting to get into the range of what are we going to be doing with that position? Right now, our team has Jonathan Taylor, Bijan Robinson, Tony Pollard, wide receiver of Calvin Ridley, Keenan Allen, and Mike Evans. We're galaxy braining the Mike Evans trade. Um, we see Bateman, Sutton, Algier go, and we are on the clock. What are you uh, thinking here? We could go Dak Prescott, get the unconventional stack with Tony Pollard. Oh, yeah. Uh, because Gallup is still a pretty good value as well. Yeah. Last yeah. year was last year was obviously not the time to take Gallup coming off of reconstructed knee surgery and every thought everyone thought he was a value. Uh, this year is the time to take Michael Gallup. So we'll take Dak Prescott. I and looking at the wide receivers, I don't hate taking a shot on Kadarius Tony here. Zay Flowers is available. I'm not touching Jacoby Myers with a ten foot pole. Brandon Cooks is fine, but I also I like Mooney better than Cooks or Myers. I think I like I think I like Cooks more, but Tony, his ADP is going to rise from here. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like we are still getting him at value, despite what I think. Because we can just draft Tony. Because obviously, like the Chiefs have already yet again begun hyping him up. Remember, we did two weeks of them hyping up for the Super Bowl and he played six snaps. He just luck boxed into a touchdown. And so, like, I don't want to be the person drafting Tony as my, like, my wide receiver, too, because it's going to happen. Give it a month, and that's where he'll be. So he's value right now, but I can certainly see myself being out on it coming up soon. That that I totally understand, but he came midseason, right? And he got hurt because this is what Kadarius Tony does. Right. So if we do get the full offseason of him working with the team, Juju's probably gone. He's going to uh, get on. They mentioned they want to bring Juju back. It's it, it's obviously going to depend on Juju the rest of his deals on the market. But honestly, th- this is a team that brought back Demarcus Robinson for three years in a row. Like if they bring back Juju on another one year deal, that wouldn't be shocking. I just they might not be able to just with the way the wide receiver market is this offseason. I think mm-hmm. Jacoby Myers is like projected to get the Christian Kirk deal. Which yeah, I had a bet with uh, the great roster watch alex dunlap at the combine because i told him i think jacoby's gonna get 17 to 20 million annually just because he's he is who nfl minds perceive as the best available wide receiver on the market and maybe they're wrong maybe they're right i don't know he's he was a former undrafted free agent so good for him he's about to get paid uh but yeah i I think since the market makes the money thus Mm -hmm. myers as you said like kurt getting 17 and a half million per year and living up to it in year one at least I think Myers will get roughly, yeah, around that range, honestly. Yeah, and, you know, good for him. I Make all the money you can, man. Make all the money you can. I personally think Jacoby Myers sucks as a Patriots fan. Oh, I wouldn't say suck. He has sure hands. He's a good possession receiver. 
but he's not, he's just, he's, he'd be a great third wide receiver. on. Yes. Team. It's not his fault though. The Patriots uh, have lost their like lust in building offenses that they have no idea how to be an NFL offense. They have zero clue how to that, do that. It's not his fault. He, he shows up at the number one wide receiver. Like it's the organization's fault. He's a good player. No, I agree. I agree. But if you're sitting here watching them, not that I, not that I like fanboy over teams like I used to, but man, it used to, I guess there were some, some lateral hatred because of it towards him because of the team building. We have Danny and good. I wish I had a good idea of where, uh, Greg Dortch was going to go. I, I think he's the most interesting name on the market that no one's talking about because we saw him be like an incredible possession slot receiver. Uh, and yes, that was the horizontal raid that didn't know how to do anything else but hammer their slot receiver targets, but he did it successfully. He was fun. And so I, I think a team could get a very good value on him. Yeah, that's a fun one. I honestly, some of these names slipped through the cracks and I didn't even know he was a free agent this year. So seeing where Greg Dorch goes is going to be fun. We have Danny in the chat. He says with all the free agent, blah, let me try that again with all the free agent running backs and rookies. I feel there's so much uncertainty at RB. It makes sense to wait on RB and capitalize on the chaos. I don't disagree, but I think that there is some value in the early rounds at RB, especially towards the back end of the first, early second, like we saw with our draft. And I think there are guys like in the fourth, fifth, sixth round that I like. Like I, you mentioned ECN in the third round. I like him a lot this year in the third. Mm -hmm. I like DeAndre Swift a ton in the fifth round. Like I love me some DeAndre Swift in the fifth round. Wasn't touching him last year in the second, but a fifth round DeAndre Swift, sign me up. And I like JK Dobbins a lot where he's going as well. So I think like as long as you know where you want to dip in and grab guys, it's still okay to do that. But yeah, there's there's so much uncertainty at the position that you can play it both ways. You can take the value that you're getting in the front end as well as the back end. Uh, we are getting a value on J.K. Dobbins' ADP since clearly his injury season's out of the way. Yep. And instead, we're seeing Javante Williams get that same incorrect treatment from ADP. Like Javante Williams, I would bet, is not going to be active week one, and I guarantee you this is his J.K. Dobbins year. We're just, we're just wasting picks on him, honestly. It's and so, uh, he literally is someone... the cop I made last week, yep. so I love Oh, okay, I didn't know that, yeah. No, uh, it's I, perfect. I have just assumed that anyone taking Javante Williams like in the first 10 rounds is doing it wrong already because he's just going to be useless this year. It takes a year. It's not his fault. It just takes a year. Yeah, it, it's one of those injuries that does. And if he comes, even Saquon, right? Saquon took a year yeah. off of his as well. So, yeah, that's just the injury. That's kind of why I'm worried about Kyler, too. I understand it's a different position, but yeah. running is such a big portion of his game. Uh, we're coming up on the clock. We are seeing, like, Jalen Hylett, uh, Pat Fryermove, Juju, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Jamal Williams, L, uh, and uh, Jamal Williams goes. <laughs> so that's mind blowing to me. Um, any of these names jumping out at you? I can go into some of the, the more. Yeah, we're looking at wide receiver right now. Um, gosh. I do like Elijah Moore. Okay. I'm, I'm open to it. That's fine. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not opposed to Elijah Moore. And this is why you do these drafts to uh, get used to ADP because then we start looking and saying, oh, well, that was the case. We could have drafted Garrett Wilson, got Elijah Moore, then gotten Aaron Rodgers late. Um, you start sneaking in these kind of snack stacks. Yeah. 
Um, is there anyone else jumping out to you for our second pick? Do you want to go? Watch? I think Jalen Hyatt is over overdrafted, so don't go him. Um, I'll okay. explain that in a bit. Uh, I mean, do you want to go Juju and create a little Chief stack? I mean, maybe assuming Juju comes back, I don't know. Yeah, I don't hate it. He, he could also we, land elsewhere. Yeah, so that's to Danny's point. It, it's a lot of guesswork right now. But we at least know who the free agents are. And so we're just trying to backdoor into stacks based on who these players have been linked to so far. I wouldn't, you know what? I honestly wouldn't even be shocked if you see Juju go to a team like the Cowboys where we have Dak on some sort of one-year deal to play alongside CD and Gallup. Yeah, they're just, dude, they're so bad at building personnel. Like they're so, and it's funny because they draft great, but that team has no idea how to build an offense. And worst of all, they never admit when they're wrong. The the clips of both Stephen Jones, Mike McCarthy, and Jerry Jones, all of them coming out of the combine are still the funniest thing if you haven't heard them because they defended trading Amari Cooper and putting Jalen Tolbert in there instead, who, by the way, the healthy scratch for 14 games. Uh, they they <laughs> defended bringing back Zeke. They defend wanting to bring back Zeke. Like They just never admit when they're wrong, and it's so funny because – that's a team that's never going to win. Literally, they have no shot at all. Yeah, he, they are. They're the fantasy football owners that, like, once they draft the team, they are they are like grasping that team, and they yep. are not trading anyone away because they did everything right, and this is going to work out. And you just watch it week after week after week not happen, and you're like, all right, well, maybe it's time you make a deal. And it's like, nope, not doing it because guess what. Zeke's going to go off for three touchdowns next week. Guess what? Zeke doesn't even go off for three yards next week. And you're like, dude, end this experiment. It's over. He's not what he was. But at least we know just in case they do do that experiment. And that was the rumors I heard at the combine as well. Um, Everything I heard sounded like they were going to cut Zeke. And it's certainly a I'll believe it when I see it situation since I've, I've heard these rumors before in the past. But we at least know Tony Pollard has made three career starts without Zeke, and he's finished the RB1, RB3, and RB7 overall in those three games. And so I, that's why a third or fourth round value for a ceiling player, especially a ceiling player in the second half of the season, that to me is still worth taking that shot uh, in lieu of what happens with Zeke. God, I wonder, I wonder what Pollard's career would look like if they decided to pull the trigger when, not even when they should have, but even a year late. Right, like just given him, just gave him the opportunity to do more. They didn't even have to get rid of Zeke, but just just put him on the field more. And it's- and Zeke's pass blocking, to their credit, that's how they defend him, um, is is amazing. Like he is actually really good at pass blocking. But mm-hmm. they always mention Pollard as if he's like significantly smaller than Elliot. Uh, but remember, Pollard is six foot, two hundred and ten pounds. Like. He's, he's a grown man, and like they just treat him like he's the a smallest running back. They treat him like he's Deuce Vaughn. It's so strange. Yeah. Uh, Danny in the chat is asking if we're out on Jamal. Ninth round Jamal Williams is not for me, man. Like, it's just not doing it. It was, uh, he was Rich Man's Ezekiel Elliott, and that, gosh, I don't have, I'm writing my best ball tears right now, so I usually have these stats on hand, but. I know at least 70% of his touchdowns came inside the five-yard line. So you're asking yourself not only how often will the lines be on the one-yard line again, but you're telling yourself, like, do the rushing touchdowns regress? And, of course, they will. So that's why Jamal Williams, as good of a player as he is, you just can't bet on him being back in that situation. Yeah. And I do think he goes back to Detroit because he does all the things Dan Campbell loves. Do you you really think he's going to go back to Detroit? I I do. 
I think both sides want to be back with each other. Yes. It does make sense. Um, Sacrilegious in the chat says, if the Cowboys made Will McClay the, G- the GM, they'd win the Super Bowl the same Not year. Uh, but it's never going to happen. No. <laughs> That's no. the thing. It's just over. It literally takes Jerry Jones' funeral. That's the yeah. only way that team gets better. And then honestly, being in the hands of um, Steven and Scarlett Jones, like, does it even matter after that? Probably not. So there's yeah, a whole I mean, there's a whole family lineage you have to get past to get to Will McClay. That's the issue. That's just who they are, man. And if that's why I'm glad I grew up hating the Dallas Cowboys, because if I was a Dallas Cowboys fan, I would be so frustrated with the way they run that organization. It but would drive. He is me right though that uh, yes, draft evaluation. Do McClay? I mean, they found Micah Parsons. They found like the defensive player of the year who's about to be higher paid than Aaron Donald in a couple seasons. Like they find franchise players every draft, but they never piece it together because they don't know how to build a roster from the top down. We are coming up on the clock. We see names like Kyler Murray, Zeke fittingly towards the top, Elijah Mitchell, Mitchell, Greg Dolchich, Bryce Young. Uh, we are on the clock now. This is when I'm a, I am a Kyler Stan admittedly. Um, and I don't know if that's right or wrong. Giving his injury. I probably need to talk to more Twitter doctors. I need to get like Betts and Hutchinson and Ed on the phone. Um, but I do take Kyler around this range, admittedly. I don't hate taking him here. I don't really have any shares of him. So we can grab Kyler and be done at quarterback. He's such a little <laughs> dick, too. Like he's the, he's the reason Brian Flores isn't coaching there because he outruled he outruled it. He had a say in it. And of course he should have a say in it. He's Kyler Murray, but man. Is there it's just anything- tough. Is there anything else jumping out at you? Do you do you like Antonio Gibson by chance? Can I? Uh, it's still probably. Is it around too early for that or no? He's like eighth down. We're not going to get him if you're coming back. So mm. well, let's take him then, and then just we stick with these four running backs. Let's not draft any more. Yeah, or we take a real shot in the nineteenth, twentieth round since we. Oh have well, much- I got I got some shots for you. Okay. Um, because uh, I, I recorded with uh, NBC's Eric Froton today, and mm-hmm. he is the person who was responsible for like touting Elijah Mitchell. He's touted so many rookies the last two years, saying they would have draft capital based on what he's heard at the Shrine Bowl, Senior Bowls, and the Combine. Mm-hmm. And so I brought him on the show today. It comes out tonight, actually, on the most accurate podcast feed. And he mentioned a couple of people. And so now I have this list of last round players, and, and I'll, I'll name a few. Just, you know, just know in 24 hours, though, the ADP is going to get nuked on a couple of these guys. Nice. I look forward to listening to that at three thirty in the morning tomorrow. Yeah. But- so I got, I do have, uh, I have a, a late round, a last round running back for you. But we'll wait till we get there. I don't want someone to snipe him. Sounds good to me. So we, let's run through our team real quick. We have Dak and Kyler Murray, at, uh, wide receiver at quarterback. We have Jonathan Taylor, Bijan Robinson, Tony Pollard, Antonio Gibson at running back, which I really do like our running backs here. We have Calvin Ridley. Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, Kadarius Tony, Elijah Moore, and Juju at wide receiver. No tight ends yet. I do really like the squad overall. Like, I, I, it, I think it's a fun squad right now. I think it's good so far. I think it's unique. We're trying to backdoor our way into stacks. Uh, four strong running backs. I'm still pissed off at myself too because I recall going on ship chasing and yelling at Karain and Overzet. Seems to be what happens a lot. And it, telling them, like running back in the in the 
best ball mania is how you win it by finding the correct running back. Cause yes, the 1% running back is more volatile than the wide receiver, but the whole point is to chase the player with a higher ceiling and running back. The winning running back every year has a higher ceiling than the winning wide receiver. So it's important to get that guy in the first round. Um, Corrine clearly nailed it with Eckler and Saquon Barkley. And so, yeah, I'm still so pissed off that I had so many drafts last year where I went like running back in one of the first three rounds and yeah. I just didn't get the guy right. Or I didn't get the build right around the right guy. Still so frustrated that the overall strategy, I had it. So I was out on Eckler. So my my Eckler exposure was really low. Mm-hmm. And it's not anything to do with Eckler. It's that I think the team really doesn't want him to do what he does. And they just can't find the other guy to bring in. And I'm worried about that again this year. Like they might bring in hell. Like imagine if they bring Damian Harrison this year to try to be behind Eckler to get the goal line work. And then Eckler's dead to me anyways, at that point. And, but something could happen with Harris and they just rely that rely on Eckler for that workload. Again, it's just, it's such a tough spot with him. Remember, Eckler even said last offseason, he doesn't want to do it again. Right. Like he, he, he said, like, this shit hurts to do this every yeah. single week. Uh, that's why they got, like, a 300-touch guy from college uh, in Isaiah Spiller, but it just never worked out. He could never, never put it together. I will say Josh Kelly, as bad as he was two years ago, last year he was good when he had the ball. And Kellen Moore... Kelly was already something, someone he mentioned and in mixing into a committee this year. Also, we are assuming the Chargers add a deep wide receiver. And so I, I just think the offense is going to be different in the fact that now this year, Justin Herbert won't look up and see Jalen Guyton and say to my and say to himself, oh, I have to pass to Eckler because that's Jalen Guyton. He's not getting the ball. Like he's actually going to look up and maybe see DJ Shark, a Mike Evans, someone like that who has actually downfield prowess and he'll throw to him instead. So him and Barkley, like you could argue, they're two definitely going to lose their target shares. Like, there's no way Barkley leads the Giants in targets again. There's no way. Um, both yeah, Joe Shane. Who do they get? Who do both they get Joe Shane and Brian Dable have have hammered home the idea. Like, they're getting receivers this year. That that is their priorities to build receivers this year. So I don't know who they're getting, but it will certainly be a better option than just hammering Barkley and having him fizzle out in the second half of the year. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, we're going to be up on the clock again. I want to I want to stick with this first round running back talk after we draft because I have I have a theory if I ever get picks in the first, second and third spot going forward mm-hmm. on how I want to play that somewhat with the way the ADP is right now, but let's get our let's start looking at what we got here. We're seeing like Rondell Moore on on the board. We see Michael Gallup, uh Anthony Richardson who I am now just not touching, not <laughs> at all. I um I mean, since we have Kyler and Dak, we can double tap Rondell and Gallup if you want to. Yeah, except Rondell just went two picks okay, before well, us. Gallup and... Let's see what we got for wide out. I still take Richardson like in the 15th round, honestly. Um, yeah, he's, dude, go- he's not going there anymore. So, receiver's so bad. So for me, it'd be Gallup and a guy like DJ Chark, just because... He'll be, he'd be our eighth wide receiver, and I'm just looking for him to have like three like legitimate spike weeks, and I think he has a skill set to do that, no matter where he goes. And then uh, what's tight end right now? Tight end, we're looking at like Higby, Michael Mayer. Oh, Gerald we wait, Everett. we wait. Uh, I'm on. 
I'm going to have so much freaking for better or worse. Don't even, you don't have to chase this idea. It's a bad idea. I'm going to have so much Jasicki and McBride yeah. in this stupid tournament because once you miss Travis Kelsey, you're not sucking me into the dead zone. I don't want any of those guys. So I'm just waiting and hammering out three or four. Any, do you want Claypool? Do you want Chark? I think Chark is fine, honestly. He's the one I believe in the most. I'm, I'm expecting him to yet again get a 10 to $14 million fully guaranteed contract. I don't think it's a long-term deal. Yeah. But when he was healthy, and he got injured multiple times last year, when he was healthy, he was a really good deep threat. Really was. Right, and that's all I'm looking at for like my eighth wideout is like, yeah, you know, this is like the KJ Osborne range last year where I was like, I'm taking KJ Osborne, not because I think he's going to be the number one wide receiver or even the number two on the Vikings, but when that dude goes off, he goes off. And we saw that in the playoffs. Like, I think it was week uh, 15 that he, like, if you didn't have KJ Osborne, you were in real trouble that week because he went off for like, I don't know, was that the Colts game where he went off for like two touchdowns and a bazillion yards? Um, So the thing I wanted to talk about in the first round is our top three. Last year, there was a top five, basically. This year, there's a top three. It's Jefferson, it's Chase, it's CMC. And then things kind of get a little different after that. But for now, it's going the two wide receivers, then CMC. And to your point about nailing that first round running back, I'm wondering if a strategy I want to implement, and this is what I did kind of with Chase over Jefferson last year, is I can take CMC from the one, two, and three spot, get leverage on the field against everybody else by being like, you know, at 16, 17% ownership on them, still be able to get some chase and Jefferson teams, but really like have an edge over everyone else by having CMC. Are you in on CMC this year? Do you think that Trey Lance coming in as a quarterback hurts him? That's, that's a concern of mine. Oh no, no, no. I'm, I'm definitely in on CMC all the way. Uh, It's funny when you hear people cite and talk about him because Again, like fantasy analysis, like it's so strange because it all happens in pockets. And then our job should be, not a lot of people do it, but it should be to explain why those pockets happen, the good and the bad. And uh, Christian McCaffrey, everyone factors in, oh, when Elijah Mitchell was healthy, though, Mitchell was averaging like 12 plus carries per game with McCaffrey taking away touches. That's not the case. Uh, McCaffrey, when he was healthy in those games with Elijah Mitchell, McCaffrey played 98% of first half snaps. Like he was out there every single snap until the game got out of hand. And then they would take McCaffrey off the field for Elijah Mitchell, not the way people cite it. So, of course, I'm in on McCaffrey. And, you know, having done this for three years now with underdog, the top five picks, they fluctuate so much. And since it's all random anyways, you just kind of take the guys to keep on extending your portfolio for the elite top five players. And so McCaffrey's one of those guys that if you have a third overall pick, you're not going to really get them ever at fifth and sixth. So you just take them and keep on expanding the portfolio. So yeah, that's what I do. Of course I'm in on McCaffrey. How can you not be in on McCaffrey? No, I, to- I totally understand that. My point is like, because you're always getting them at the third, if you can get them at the first or the second overall pick here and there, I'm not saying to do it every time, right? but it allows you to make your CMC teams a little more unique because you're getting them in a different spot. And it allows mm, you to yeah. get a little bit of a, of an edge of, even if you do it a few times and you get like say 11, 12% exposure to McCaffrey and you're lo- limiting your say chase and I'm going off of broad numbers, but your chase or Jefferson down to 6% from 8%. It's scary proposition because those guys are so freaking good. And I, and I love Jamar chase and I love Justin Jefferson, but I don't know. Those are the little edges I start to take last year. I was doing it a little bit more with Jamar chase where I was taking him first, second, third, fourth overall. 
and I got up to like 19% ownership, and I really liked having that much of Jamar Chase. The injury sucked, but it was actually a good thing in a way because when you did get those Chase teams through to the playoffs, not as many people did, so now I had more Jamar Chase teams theoretically in the playoffs than the field, and did it work out? No, but it was an edge that I had. You Also, put some respect on Cooper Cup's name, please. He didn't mention him there. Uh, when Stafford was healthy, though, six games, uh, Cup went over 100 yards in five of six of those games and averaged double-digit targets in those six games. Like Cooper Cup didn't miss a beat. He was just fourth to play with third-string quarterbacks for the entire season. Also, did you see the report on Matthew Stafford today? Yes, that I saw two reports. One, they're trying to trade him. And then Les mm-hmm. Snead came out and said he's a he's like a core member of their team. Okay, I didn't see the second one. I saw the trading one, and I was like, okay, uh, okay. And we get sniped on Trey McBride here, so we're looking at like Jawan Johnson. McBride's not even good, good. Let me have him when I have Kyler. This is not fair, <laughs> right? Uh, Dalton Kincaid, Ballinger, any of these tight ends standing out that you want to start grabbing here? Uh, Jawan no Johnson. Offense. Jawan Johnson's instinct. Touchdown machine, restricted free agent, uh, team friendly deal. So he's going to be back with Derek Carr, who like did 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 hammer in on tight ends last year, whether it was Foster Moreau or Darren Waller. So I, mm. I do like Jawan Johnson to come back. Uh, I, I'm not doing Dalton. I'm not doing rookie tight ends. We're not doing that garbage. <laughs> um, get Dalton Kincaid out of my life forever. Do you like Likely or Bellinger here? I kind of like Bellinger a little bit. Um, gosh, Bellinger wasn't every down player whenever they brought him back. Uh, dude, this is ugly. It is ugly. I'd almost rather wait more, but we well, don't. We're not prepared to do that, so we have to go Tim Patrick. So yeah, go Bellinger. It's fine. Yeah, I'm just because we're running out of time. We'll go Bellinger. Have you been going one. three tight ends? I've been doing a lot of four tight end builds. Okay, where I punt because we have the twenty rounds in this. Yes. Uh, and I just I've been punting the tight end position because I don't love the tight end position. I it's just it's so bad, and it's just like a. It's just like a pick your poison type of spot. Like we saw that with DFS last year. I mean, hell, Evan Ingram had what, like one of the greatest games ever and shot him up like so many spots. This this position sucks, to be perfectly blunt. Yeah, everyone's aware. Yep. That's why yeah. Kelsey's even in a half PPR, non-tight end premium league. Kelsey's a top five pick, and I don't even hate it because to me it's still Kelsey or absolutely no one. People are going to make the case for T.J. Hawkinson, but even T.J. Hawkinson, he basically hit his ceiling in one game, like that mm-hmm. two-touchdown 100-yard performance against the Giants and had nothing else. He was still a low yards per target guy as he's been throughout his career. So, like, I, I'm not falling over for literally anyone except Kelsey. That's it. Yeah, and, and, I, and the Kelsey and the fourth, fifth pick, like, he is getting older, but he's just he was like a hundred points over the next guy in in half point PPR or something last year. It's just it's it's insanity. So I totally I just totally punt tight end. Occasionally, if I grab Jalen Hurts, I have grabbed grab Dallas Goddard. Uh, I might grab someone here and there. Like I do still like Kyle Pitts somewhat. I'm not going to go nuts over him this year. There's other guys around him that I like, but for the most part, I've just been punting tight end to the spot, and I have been in. As you brought up Gasecki, I've been in on Gasecki as well. Yeah, Just because pre- he's he's not going to go back to the same team that didn't know how to use him, right? Like he's right. a super athletic free agent where I imagine where he signs, it's going to be a one-year deal, prove it deal only, but I imagine where he signs, they are signing him because they understand his talent, that he's basically just a, a part-time slot receiver. So let's see what can happen there. Yeah, and there's a plethora of teams that could use him. Absolutely. 
the Chargers stand out as a great spot for him to go to. Uh, Chargers were running Stone Smart out there, who no one knows unless you have to dabble in routes on spreadsheets, but Stone Smart was basically their starting tight end of the year. So, yeah, Chargers could definitely use him. Heard that was your nickname in high school as well. You were just, you were just so smart they had to call you Stone Smart. I don't think so. <laughs> no, I, I did shock everyone at the Combine when I told them. Mind you, this is a decade. No, this, this is not a decade. This is uh, 17 years ago when I ran a 4-5 at 190 pounds. Um, I, was a little, I was a little wrecking ball. 5'10", 190, ran a 4.5. But now, no more of that. No, oh, yeah. Not even close 17 years later. I think I was running a 4.7 in high school, and there's Good. just no chance in hell that I am even coming close to running a 4.7. I might be running like a 6.7 at this point in my life. I, I was around Dalton Cates at the Combine because he still has a lot more energy than me in his youth. And he dropped everything the moment he saw the 40 drill that you could participate in. And so I did witness him run a four six five at, gosh, he's 5'11", 140. So whatever RAS says about that, probably not good. Uh, I can attest, <laughs> Dalton ran a four six five. Interesting. Wow, this draft is kind of moving. We're almost back on the clock again here. Um, we're going to be in the 17th, 18th round. I know we have some names for the end. Do we want to look back at tight end here? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're going to need one or two more here. Hayden Hurst, a free agent. Noah Fant back to Seattle. That's kind of interesting. Um, Zach Ertz is a free agent. No, no. Zach Ertz signed a contract extension last year, right? Yeah, but he's also 137. He uh, is. I do like Noah Fant. I don't mind Noah Fant. Noah Fant had a couple ceiling games. All right. We could double tap tight end again and get four, or is there any names? Standing out for you here, we got Allen Robinson, Terrace Marshall, Marvin Mims, Rasheed Rice, Darius Slayton, Richie James. Hmm. Um, with eight receivers, um, Marvin Mims stands out. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I don't know if we want to do Allen Robinson again. That's the issue. Uh... I mean, I was making fun of Allen Robinson last week, but. 18th round, Rob Allen Robinson. It's true. I'm, 18th round on, on new team, too, most likely. Right. Because because the fact that the Rams, let's just go Allen Robinson. Let's go Allen Robinson. Skirt. The fact the Rams even came out and said they'll eat like 70% of his 15 million due this year, that makes him one of the better deals on the open market since we've already talked about how poor the free agency wide receiver market is. Like Allen Robinson's a good deal for a team, honestly. Yeah, and again, he's going to be our ninth wide receiver. So if he can get on, if he can get in the score, the scoring column for us, like two, two weeks, three weeks, great, right? Like that's what we're looking for back here. Yeah. Uh, so we mentioned Marvin Mims, and that is one of the guys as I mentioned earlier. Brought on Eric Proton, NBC, their lead college fantasy analyst, and mm -hmm. uh, Marvin Mims is someone he mentioned to me as someone he he wants in every like fourth, fifth round dynasty league. And last round of best ball leagues since uh, since he stood out immensely at the combine in particular. 16% uh, of Mims receptions went for 40-plus yards, which is number one in the FBS since 2021. And Mims also averaged 13.5 yards per target the last two years, which is also number one in the FBS, and had an amazing combine in his size, 43840. So, yeah, like Mims is a guy I've been adding in the last rounds of every best ball league. And there are a couple more I'm not going to say just yet because they will be available when they come back to us. Marvin Mims is a great name, too. 
It is a great name. Yes. I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I know that's the stat you come here for is when I throw out who's a great name, but Marvin Mims is one of those great NFL names. No relation to Denz, uh, Denzel, right? I don't think I don't, they're related. I mean, I don't know much about Marvin Mims, so I can't say that. The, the, the family stat that's blown my mind this year so far, I knew James Cook and Dalvin Cook were brothers. What I didn't know is that Dalvin's middle name was James and James' middle name was Dalvin. That's yes. that's the that's the family thing that blew my mind this year. I was like, what? <laughs> Why is that a thing? But oh, and I was wrong. They're they are brothers. There is a relation. Marvin oh. is Denzel's brother. So yes. Uh, I'm expecting Marvin to be more successful like as early as year one. What is that's gonna be a pretty decent age gap there. Uh, I mean, Denzel's still on his rookie deal, so it's only three, four years. Really? Yeah. It feels like Denzel Mims has been in the league forever. We've just ran the gamut with Denzel's career already. That's the issue. (laughs) It feels like, God, I feel like we've been playing him in DFS since like 2014. Now, I believe this is the last year of his rookie deal. And remember, because they've tried to trade him every year since they've drafted him. And um, no one wants him. Yeah, this is the final year, fourth year of his deal. God, it, it really like that's that is the most shocking stat that's been thrown at me in this entire <laughs> offseason is that Denzel Mims is still on his rookie deal. And when they unsuccessfully try to trade him again, they'll save one point four million by just cutting him. So the the ride will be over soon. Don't worry. Where's he gonna catch on, Chicago? He feels like a let's go to Chicago and die type. He feels of like a let's waste away in Chicago guy. Yeah, for <laughs> yeah. sure. Like everyone else. Still amazing the Bears ultimately traded the first pick of day two for Chase Claypool, who they had no idea how to use. None none whatsoever. They put him out there for contested catches, which everyone the last two years has blamed Ben Rossberger for Chase Claypool's like weaknesses. Mm. Uh, I wrote in my team preview last year for the Steelers when talking about Chase Claypool that like he deserves as much of the blame as Rossberger because Claypool has been miserable catching contested catches throughout his career. Like he even with his size, you everyone assumes he can do it. He can't do it. Like he's awful at battling for balls. Yeah, that whole situation, it's it's sad over in Chicago. I do like Mooney. I do think he's a fun wide receiver. Again, I think he'd be way better with like another another guy on the other side. And I think I really think that Calvin Ridley was going to go to Chicago last year if none of that stuff broke with the with the gambling. I think mm-hmm. Chicago was the was the odd man out because of that whole situation in the wide receiver market, but yeah, man, tough scenes up there in Chicago. But wise of uh, the Jacksonville to sneak in. Absolutely. At his lowest point. It's very much a dynasty trade where, hey, we'll offer you pennies basically for this player who we only usually lose a year on, so who cares? All right, we're going to be on the clock. Do we want to star some of these guys? That All right, let's do it. Um, the first one we're going to take is, uh, do you want a receiver or do you want a fourth tight end? Well, do we want to grab Chris Rodriguez? I know he was yeah. in your list. Let's grab Chris Rodriguez first. So Chris Rodriguez, the running back from Kentucky, who Kentucky struggled basically all year to run against, you know, a strong power five conference. And then Chris Rodriguez showed up because they shuffled their running backs and had a ton of success. It's It seems honestly like Damian Pierce's situation where we misconstrue 
usage because of the coaches. They prefer to use like these players in odd ways. Chris Rodriguez thinks, or Froton thinks Chris Rodriguez got lost in the shuffle. So he's a running back I draft in the last round every single time. And then I also draft, yes, volunteer receiver Cedric Tillman, of course, Jalen Hyatt's teammate. But Froton went on to say, not only is Jalen Hyatt a terrible pick in the eighth round as he's going in this big board draft right now. But Cedric Tillman's the better Tennessee receiver, and hence that's why Jalen Hyatt didn't really break out until his final year in college because last year was when Tillman got injured. So, yes, uh, Froton also thinks Tillman is the best Tennessee receiver and someone should draft in the last round every single time. Well, now I'll be smashing Cedric Tillman in the 20th round and riding and him think, up into the 18th. I think Tillman's going to get a day two grade as well. Like I think there's a real chance he comes off in the second or third round. And if that's the case, like that's the capital we need for a guy who's being unheralded in the last round of uh, best ball drafts. And the way the NFL is going now, they need three wide receivers and they could get him on the field a lot quicker than we've seen in years past. So, yeah, give me Cedric, give me Cedric Tillman. So, yeah, those two guys and Marvin Mims are the three that were mentioned that everyone should be taking. And, again, the ADP is going to be nuked by Monday. So get it in right now this weekend. All right. And with that being said, the last round is wrapping up. Let's go over our team. We have Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray at quarterback, Jonathan Taylor, Bijan Robinson, Tony Pollard, Antonio Gibson, Chris Rodriguez at RB, Calvin Ridley, Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, Kadarius Toney, Elijah Moore, Juju, Michael Gallup, DJ Chark, Allen Robinson, Cedric Tillman at wideout, Jawan Johnson, Daniel Bellinger, Noah Fant at tight end. Um, perhaps we should have grabbed another tight end instead of one of the wideouts at some point. I don't hate it, though. It's not something that's like going to keep me up tonight. I like this squad overall. Two, two quarterbacks, I think, annoys me more than anything, but we also used somewhat high capital on Dak, so no big deal. Uh, and yeah, probably the tight end over Cedric Tillman, but I wanted to make an example of Tillman, so it's okay. Yeah, it's more Sh show fun. purposes, as I always tell everyone. Big picture, uh, we make the errors because we're just going to play a lot, so it doesn't matter to me. It's no big deal. Except big we picture. didn't, we didn't make the error. I don't know if no. you recall the opening of this show. We were drafting the greatest best ball team that's true ever assembled ever assembled on March 9th. as proven. By drafting on March 9th, yes. yes. The greatest big board team ever completed at 6.07 p.m. Eastern on March 9th. You are correct. Yeah, and um, I can't wait to win this. I didn't make you draft four teams. We might do the draftcathlon again in the next few weeks. I don't know. I've been flirting with bringing that idea back. People really seem to like it last year. Uh, but it is pure chaos trying to draft four different teams at the same time. We got Al in the chat saying Tillman is one of the very few X wideouts in this class that were productive in, in college. Mm -hmm. um, I got sacrilegious saying Cedric Tillman is the best big body wide receiver in the class. He's greater than Quentin Johnson. I am a big fan of Quentin Johnson, though. I, I do wish he would have tested. I would have liked to see more, but he didn't because and his vertical was amazing at his size. But if he would have ran the 40, I, I really think he would have ran a four five. So it's probably best, honestly, if he just stays away. I agree. Well, I'd like to thank you for joining us tonight, Mr. John Daigle. I think, um, are you ready? Are you ready to get your character back out and start cutting some promos in the, <laughs> in the very near future? Because I think, um, we're going to have some Royal Rumble action happening again this year. If you're interested. Oh yeah. I need to come back for justice, especially after Corrine 
not only won two million dollars but also took down the royal rumble what a jerk also so. took this title who i actually need to message him because i am i made a deal with him that if he won the royal rumble i would hand deliver that championship to him so i need to figure that and out. not only that but not leaving the rest of us plebes to to get some winnings like he's the person who got rich and then started spaces like he actually got rich and then came back for more like go away you're <laughs> successful go away let the rest of us try to win right let us do it uh yeah. but I, what i will say about the royal rumble is what we can tout this year is that the winner of the royal rumble has a hundred percent success rate in best ball mania of winning that as well so every time we've run the royal rumble that person has also won best ball mania that's true if you play in the rumble you will win. You have a chance of winning <laughs> best ball mania. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's going to be one of the selling points for it this year, but yeah, give, be on the lookout for that. I'm hoping that more people cut promos other than me this year, but I didn't really like ask people to last year, but I think this could be a lot more fun this year. It was a ton of fun last year. Again, thank you for joining us. We will catch you next time. Peace out everybody.